Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back out the Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics avenge that loss in the home opener by defeating the Raptors in Boston, their first home win of the season. Joining us to talk all about it, a big welcome back to Celtics Jay. Jay, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. It's good to be back. <laughs> Sorry for the absence. I know. I know. I've, I've probably been sorely missed. Probably not so much. Uh, I've been. I've been listening. I've been listening in my own absence and and loving the the work that you guys are doing. The the extra videos you've been doing up with with spoons have been dynamite. Uh, you know, hearing you with the other guys uh, back up on the pod the other day. That's always that's always good to hear that vibe again. Um, but I'm glad to be back into the mix. I was I was out for a minute, getting some some stuff set up with this new place. Um, getting my internet back set up like i was i was unplugged for a minute and it was a little it was tough it was tough tough in 2021 tv (laughs) right no cell service like i couldn't even get cell service like it was it was in like this magic like dead zone it was a mess well it's good to have you back jay and silver lining you may have missed possibly the worst stretch of celtics basketball uh, (laughs) known to mankind uh, at least in recent history there. So, But sticking with this win against the Raptors today, a very decisive, uh, vengeful win, like I mentioned up the top there. Jay, what, what were your biggest takeaways from this game? My biggest takeaway from this game was that whether it's completely rational or not, I don't like Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> Can you elaborate? I don't, I don't like Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> the dude had 20 points tonight. I still don't like him. Can you tell me more about why? <laughs> I, mean, I think yeah, I have an so idea. Listen, I think eight turnovers might have something to do with it, but I'm yeah, curious. All right. Off. So dude, dude's turning over the ball. All right. So, and that's bad enough. It's bad enough to turn over the ball eight times. <laughs> Every time this guy is in there and, and taking that sort of primary ball handling responsibility, he just pounds that ball into the, into the hardwood floor for the entire possession. And then, like, to his credit, he is a great at penetrating, getting into the paint, getting to the bucket. He can get some buckets. He just spends so much time aimlessly dribbling that he's got very minimal time to actually do anything once he's made that move. And we just end up with not great opportunities. The ball doesn't get movement. It just, it, it 
for me, it, it doesn't seem to be working. And I know when that dude came out, that's that's when this team started actually really clicking in another gear. And and Marcus is really starting to look like he was waking up a little bit. Um, I like to see a nice game from him tonight. You know, 13 points, three boards, six assists, three steals, a block. Um, you know, he didn't shoot great from three and one for four from three, but otherwise like solid, no turnovers. Like he was, he had some of those oops that we've, you know, gotten familiar with from him, especially going to Rob Williams. So it's like, it was nice to see smart kind of come back out a little bit and show a little bit of what I've always appreciated and loved about smart, regardless of any of the, you know, uh, ongoing debates between spoons and I about what his potential ultimately is. Uh, but Man, if there was ever a sort of compare and contrast opportunity for what good, smart, and bad Schroeder is uh, in any particular game, this was that case. And yeah, Schroeder might have scored more points and all that, and it might look a certain way on the box score, but I just thought his performance was garbage. Yeah, I agree for the most part. I, I was sort of surprised to see that he ended the game with 20 points because what was more glaring was his overall offensive deficiencies and you know those eight turnovers let's say at least partially due to the Raptors hounding on ball defense which was really solid definitely seemed to bother Schroeder a lot more than it did Marcus Smart partially because Schroeder um, played the the point guard role for for the majority of the game but yeah certainly I I think that the bad side of it outweighed the the good side of Schroeder which we did see some of Um, but this this new sort of uh outlook on Schroeder for you, Jay. Is this new? Have you sort of have you gone into this season disliking him or did you go in with an open mind and is it something in particular that you've seen recently that's that's caused you to go full hatred mode here? So uh, in in fairness, every season I usually sort of identify one player that's gonna be the one that I harp on and, and just don't vibe with and, and don't like the way that they gel with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh examples in the past um there was certain. There was one particular season. It might have either been the first season that we had him, or maybe it was after we had. Maybe it was the year before we traded him to Cleveland. But I'm thinking of Jay Crowder. Um, so like there was there was a couple seasons we had him, and he was like this dynamite player. But then there's one particular season. I think it was the year before we traded him in the off season, where like it just seemed like his defense took a step back. Um. And he just wasn't quite performing at the same level. Mm-hmm. So, like, every now and again, I just I, I fixate on one guy. And this year, it's definitely Schroeder. I kind of was picking up on, on not feeling Schroeder on this team in, this, in the uh, preseason. Just because, again, it's very clear how he, he, makes his, how he makes his money out there on the court. And it's, it's driving to the basket. Like, that's his game. He's got sure. one, one move. Dribble, dribble, dribble. And then curve into the paint and let chaos ensue and he's good at it i'm not trying to take that away he's good um yeah, he, but i he just does don't get like really it. good uh, dribble penetration which does suck in the defense a bit does create shots doesn't necessarily have the kick out game to then execute on those open looks that he does generate but i do like that he is able to at least scramble the opposition's defense and you know, and get them on their heels a little bit and start to open up some some more wide open looks for our other guys. Uh, it's a shame that <laughs> there's not a lot of spacing to to be spoken for around that. So when those looks are generated again, there's not much to execute on or, or no one to uh, to execute on it. Um, 
you mentioned he Marcus. doesn't initiate any of that movement, you know, like it, he doesn't he doesn't get that first pass and then start relocating and, and, and getting stuff moving in, in all sorts of directions. Like he's out there and he's playing that point guard role and everyone's just standing around doing that, like, you know, wait and see offense that I, yep. I think drives most of us crazy. Well, I think the offense as a whole looked pretty solid tonight. I, I want to get to some just sort of more um, broad team comments here. On There was a lot of cohesion on both ends from the Celtics uh, through and through uh, throughout the entire game. And um, defensively, you know, I talked about the, the Raptors' solid on-ball defense. The, the Celtics played their own brand of defense, and it was this team defense. And we weren't necessarily always generating turnovers at the point of attack from, you know, just a, a point guard on point guard steal. But there was a lot of clogging the lane. Um, and if we weren't intercepting passes in that mode, we were scrambling their offense and, and causing them to essentially commit unforced turnovers. The team defense in the last few games, and I know it's been a while since you've been on the pod, Jay, so, so solid. And they're starting to, or this this identity is starting to emerge and, and what we heard about Coach Udoka and some of the assistants that he brought on uh, is really starting uh, to come to fruition where all of a sudden it's like, we're the defensive guys. And that's so much more fun than being the offensive guys because sometimes you have nights, bad nights. We saw it with Tatum tonight where your shot just doesn't fall. You can always rely on, on your defense. You can always go out and play defense. And it's not a, a number of luck or statistics or will the shot fall or won't the shot fall you just go out and you play that same hard-nosed defense every night and you get the same results and it's been an inconsistent season consistently since i guess the magic game and most of that bulls game we've seen these consistent defensive outcomes and it looks really fucking solid what are your thoughts on the defense really solid and we're we're seeing like the beautiful uh ways that this double big dynamic can be really impactful, you know, as far as like setting the tone early and protecting the rim, because, you know, it's been getting talked about on the, uh, on the sub a little bit too, where, you know, we've got, we've got a, we've got a, like that double big lineup, but ultimately like across the roster, we don't have a lot of, a lot of height. We're not necessarily a big team. Um, but with those two guys, the way they kind of set that defensive tone, and the way that they're both communicating, so I'm talking, you know, Al Horford and Robert Williams, like those two guys just seem to bring out really good aspects of each other. Um, and then I'm loving the way right now that they're getting staggered then throughout the game. So like they're starting together, but then Ime seems to be kind of like leaning with Rob with more of the starting guys and leaning more Horford with like when he's got more of the just bench guys in there. Um, and I'm kind of liking the way that that's balancing out. I did notice at one point now it was probably mostly because Schroeder got taken out, but, um, at one point when we were going like more so full bench, but we had Horford in there as well, like that, they, they, the, the lead had gotten brought back down. Um, and they were able to stretch it back out in the, in the second quarter there right before going into halftime. And that was, I just thought that was lovely. Um, I think we're seeing, a lot of poise out of Ime. He's not getting rattled. He's not getting overreactive. And again, I, I kind of thought that would be fair to expect just because I don't think we'd, we should expect anything else from Brad Stevens because that's what he's known as a coach. And from his, uh, you know, executive that he was working under. And so I just kind of expect that he'll, he'd have that same dynamic with Ime and patience. Um, he does have to figure out the offense, though. Like, he's got to figure out a way to help Tatum get out of his own way right now or get out of his own head or whatever's going on with him. 
because he's having like one good game for like three really rough games. And like he got 20, he had a good line tonight, 22 points, like 12 or 13 rebounds, seven assists. Like it, was, it was a good statistical game other than he's like shooting like garbage, um, like 33% uh, from the field in general. And he just doesn't look super decisive, decisive and, and super quick. And so I think you're right. I think we're seeing a team that's taking shape and being like a, a potential defensive juggernaut because um, we've got great defenders across the board. Schroeder being a good defender, I'll, you know, credit where credit's due. Josh Richardson has been like on defense. That dude just looks like an animal. Mm-hmm. But then you put him on offense. And I mean, fortunately, he had some shots tonight. But I mean, it's like <laughs> you don't ever you don't ever have that good feeling when he puts it up. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. I mean, I had the good feelings flowing after that he put him down. But uh, certainly while it was <laughs> right. in the air, <laughs> wasn't feeling particularly good at all. Um, yeah. And it seems like with Josh Richardson, just quickly, that he can't do a good thing without then immediately going and doing the inverse bad thing of that. Like, he's always just a net zero. Like you can do as many good things as you like on the court, but if you're going to immediately back that up with an epic mistake, then you're never going to be better than a net zero, which like kind of isn't good enough, especially for a guy that we extended for a second year at $11 million or whatever it is. Um, yeah, so get, getting back to what you were saying about the offense and the defense, defense is looking great. Offense, certainly not perfect. There are There is some room for improvement there, but I, I would argue on the Tatum side of things that like it takes a certain caliber of player to impact the game in the way that he did tonight while still missing the majority of his, of his shots. And he certainly did that. Shot was not going down, and I think his shot will come back. Meanwhile, he was the man out there, definitely the best player on the court, despite being probably maybe the worst shooter on the court, at least volume-wise. Um, Rob was of, looking pretty nice tonight. Well, it helps that he's inches from the rim with I'm every t- shot that he puts yeah. up. <laughs> a couple of Reddit yeah, comments. I'm, tro- the- I'm trolling a little bit on that one. But like, no, you're good, man. quick shout out, Rob was Rob was great tonight. Like we've Solid. been seeing these really amazing games from Al Horford, and Rob's been like the nice compliment to Al. Like Al's been playing like an an All NBA freaking big man so far this year. It's been crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, tonight he kind of he he only had to put in like twenty some minutes, which is nice, a little bit lighter of a load for him tonight. Um, but Rob just really stepped up, and I mean he owned he owned. The, the lion's share of the minutes, he he racked up points, you know, working those offensive boards. Um, I like that he's he's also, like, he's not over overplaying his hand on defense as much as he has in the past. Like, he still here and there does, but it, there's clearly a, like, a focus from his perspective on being more disciplined on that end. Um, and when he does stuff like that, like, I think ultimately that will also be something that, starts helping guys like Tatum and Brown because he's there to clean up stuff when it doesn't go great. Um, you know, he's got one of those really just unique abilities to to make, you know, accidental offense look really great. And uh, so, I, you know, I think there's a lot of really great things that we've seen over the last handful of games. Even even the loss to Dallas was like, it's a tough one to, you know, to lose, especially when they made a nice comeback. But you got to feel good about kind of the momentum that's happening other than Schroeder. Yeah, absolutely. And on Rob Williams, a career-high eight offensive boards, 13 overall, 16 points on 73% shooting. Um, And the Celtics just smashed Toronto on the boards tonight, 58 to 46. And Rob Williams was a huge part of that. And if he wasn't gathering the rebound himself, he was boxing out 
So Tatum could, who also grabbed uh, a shitload of rebounds, a really, really strong yep. showing from uh, from Time Lord. And suddenly, Marcus Smart has turned a corner. Time Lord's looking good, and these guys that we extended to sort of mid-level money, whether they're going to contribute to the team or contribute to a trade package for a superstar, they're looking great in both uh, in both facets there. So really good. Whichever, to see. Yeah, whichever one it's going to be, they're doing their job for it, right? Exactly, exactly. They're filling out those shoes. A couple of quick Reddit comments on the defense very quickly. So I'm Dirty Dan 93 wrote, that's like three out of the last four games where the opponent can't even hit 90 points. In two of those games, we held the opponent under 80. That's insane in the modern NBA. And user Brad Stevens follows up with, people were frying Ime Udoka after seven career coaching games. Seven. Held three teams under 90 in the last four. Rob went to the Tristan Thompson School of Rebounding for a season and came out like a monster. Also, Marcus Smart haters in shambles. I would add that the the (laughs) Rob Time Lord element includes a a kickout game. If he does gather an offensive rebound, which is huge and certainly not taught in the Tristan Thompson academic school of rebounding. So it's good to see the evolution there from uh, from Time Lord's standpoint. I want to talk a little bit more about Tatum. Um, There's a comment in the post-game thread from some guy called Wayne Spoonie who said, Tatum as the de facto point it's guard worked beautifully tonight. It's just bizarre. I can't imagine. Um, when he's looking to pass like that, our offense clicks so much better. We sort of touched on it with Tatum's impact on the game, despite his uh, his poor shooting night there. Um, Jay, but what are your other sort of takeaways from from Tatum from this game? Because certainly he was sort of the main character from this film, if you will. Yeah, and with Brown out, like he's got to be right. Like there's not really any other option as far as you know. In what was kind of nice today, maybe even more so than the last couple of games, is he actually seemed a little bit less like he was trying to force the issue as the primary facilitator. Like there's been a handful of games so far this year where it looks like he's really going out of his way to try to be the primary facilitator on offense and and like initiate everything right from the jump. And when he's forcing that issue a little bit, it it just doesn't either. He hasn't totally figured it out yet or whatever the, the thing is. Like it just hasn't really been working. Whereas tonight it seemed a little bit less like he was trying to force that. Um, now probably because Dennis took over that for today. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm going to keep bragging on dude. I don't care who we're talking about. Like it's, it's shit on Dennis. Let it fly, man. You got, you got to express yourself. Something's Jay. He's on, he's just, he's on it today. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I like seeing like a more poised Tatum. Uh, he did seem under control even when things weren't going great for him. Uh, he does seem to be getting a better sense of of where he's going to have success making those passes. Uh, I think he was at, he he assisted at least one of the Romeo ones, if not both of those Romeo threes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that that happened. Um, so maybe maybe Spoons can correct me on that. Um, but I, I think I recall they were on his drives. So like it does seem like he's starting to get some of that picture to come in clear, but. Man, I something about when he's going to the rim right now and he keeps bringing the ball right around his knee and he's just losing it every time he goes in there. And then when he's like dancing around that perimeter, just like waiting to to find that sidestep three. What I think is from what I'm watching and like bear in mind, like a little bit of like transparency to, to the audience, like my my career and, and, and my job is really built around evaluating, assessing and, and interpreting behavior 
and like body language, verbal, nonverbal, all this stuff. So I've been watching Tatum. And from my perspective, I just see a dude that is completely in his head and like trying to think too much about what he's doing in every part of the game. Mm -hmm. And there's these really brief moments where he just goes into like the sort of just instinct mode where he's just acting purely reaction. And then we see the glimpse of sort of like what Tatum does and when he's just doing the thing. So I don't know if it's just he's trying to put so many new things into his game or he's trying to expand his game a lot more um, deliberately than he has yeah. to this point. But that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a guy right now that's just like in his head and he's, it's just not synced up yet with what he's got to do with his body to be effective out there. It'll It's going to click at some point. He's too good for it not to. Yeah, and we've seen, I think it's a, that and a, a lot of other sort of mental aspects as well. And, and the fact that he hasn't started off well also has to be weighing on his mind, you know, whenever he has the ball. And he's, he's always going to be the focal point of the opposition's defense. And that's just going to scramble his mind and his body, you know, to a further extent. Um, on the body language side of things, there's a comment in the postgame thread from user Leet Speak who wrote, I guess, conversely to, to your point there, Jay, uh, Tatum's body language has been so good. Kind of crazy how we didn't even talk about his good game because it's expected. Love seeing him bounce back after a rough start to the season. I think maybe what Leedspeak is, is, is speaking to there is the fact that he had a good game despite his shooting. And he didn't lean on his shooting too much like we've already discussed. And he allowed sort of the broader facets of his game to come out and, and impact uh, winning in this sense. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Jay, that you know, he, he kind of looks lost at times. Um, lost probably isn't the right word, but just unsure of himself, I suppose. And that does yeah. manifest in some he, of those turnovers. In he's the trying. He, yeah, he's trying to grow that cerebral part of his game and take it to another level. Because like all those great players, that's what they do, right? Like they're able to, in those moments, think at a speed that is like a step ahead of everyone else on the floor. So like he's trying to think that way right now, but his body isn't catching up to him. Like it's just it's just like it's uh yeah he's, he's like buffering <laughs> right now. <laughs> buffering, I like um, it. <laughs> and 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 to Leet Speaks point, I think it's it's spot on because you know I'm I'm noting what I'm seeing with like body behavior or, or rather you know body language and and stuff like that, but like not in any negative way. Mm-hmm. Like it's just sort of like seeing where he's not in a a super reactive and instinctive mode right now where that like when we look back at the the playoff games of the the, the playing tournament from last year when he's scoring 50 points in those games there's no thought process happening that dude is just he's playing basketball he's going out of his mind mm-hmm. um and so i think my interpretation is that is that he just seems like he's really in his head just trying to think through each step similar to some of the narrative that was out there around Jalen Brown when he was having trouble with the free throw shooting and it didn't make sense to people. And he's like, yeah, I'm just in my head about this thing. I just got to get past the mental part of it. Yeah. Um, but besides that, again, I think, I think lead speaks on point where, you know, despite the, the challenging start, like he hasn't seemed discouraged at all. And that's, I think a credit to the coaching staff around him as well as just to his own character. I mean, he's, he's always been a pretty even keeled cat. Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe the one like final takeaway from the whole Tatum thing is that he's young and young yeah, superstar players. Yeah, just turned 19, players, right? <laughs> exactly. And these young superstar players, teenagers even, 
they they're inconsistent in their whatever their plight is, you know. And as Tatum ages and as he matures and as his game follows suit, we're going to very likely see uh, a flattening of the curve and you know a, a bit more consistency and, and lower variance there, um, as our mate Joe likes to to point out. So. It's interesting as well that you mentioned the corner plays to, to Romeo Langford. So we do a segment on this podcast called the underrated play of the game. And inevitably, it ends up being underrated plays of the game. I'm going to roll some film here, Jay, uh, on those plays that you mentioned. And here we see Tatum with the ball on the perimeter. And look at that screen that Marcus Smart sets to give Romeo Langford the wide open three. And obviously, the kickout pass from Tatum which is huge, and that composure and the vision. And we had to run this play as well right back. This is about a minute later in the game. Slightly different action to get Tatum the ball. But again, he gets that penetration. Same this outcome. time finds a wide open Romeo Langford, whose jump shot is just Lovely. absolutely wet as water, um, which is really good to see. But the main takeaway there is, you know, like we mentioned several times now, that Tatum doesn't need to shoot well to, to impact the game. And there's two very good examples there. The most underrated aspect of what we saw there, though, was... was- the improvement of Marcus Smart as a screen setter. That is literally something that came into my head as I was watching this game, especially like he's clearly committed to setting legit screens from his position. And that is unique and special. And And I think in the spirit of underrated, right? Like that should get some recognition there. Like he has been setting some legit screens as a starting guard. I've been stoked about. No, absolutely. That's a really good call out. And that's like a really sexy, like almost off, off the television screen screen as well. Like you hardly notice. I actually only really noticed it when I was cutting this footage to run on the pod here. That's a really effective method of getting Romeo open there. And so important for, I guess, a young guy like Langford to really get a good look at the basket for that first shot because it resulted in like continual bucket getting from Romeo throughout the rest of the course of the game there. So um, just a real bro moment for Marcus Smart, getting his fellow bro open for a wide open shot and uh, cascading down through the rest of the game. I want to get to this other play of underrated play of the game very quickly. So zone defense uh, has been a troublemaker for the Celtics over the last few years. And here we see the the Raptors out in a zone defense and we get the ball to Tatum right on the nail there, right at the free throw line. Loved it. And he just turns around and splashes that mid-range J. And as well as the Raptors who have thrown zone defenses at us countless times from memory over the last few years, particularly in the Nick Nurse era, another team that does it is the Heat. And we saw a similar strategy a couple of games ago where we well and truly beat the Heat, uh, where we were able to get that guy in the middle, um, right into that sort of wide open zone, if you will, that a zone defense allows, uh, and just the ability to actually turn around and splash those shots without hesitation. You know, there's no confusion. There's no, what am I doing? Am I supposed to be here? Where's my defender? Right, caught, turn, shot, boom, done. Exactly, exactly. And Joe pointed out in our Slack, there was a, a play later in the game where Smart got the ball in the same position and instead kicked it out rather than just shooting without hesitation. And that resulted, I think, in a, in a turnover or at least a stop for the Raptors there. So good to see some ability uh, to to go against the zone defense there. And to, and to tap into a little bit more, you know, because I, I, sometimes, sometimes I feel guilty because it's like we could, we could probably just talk until our faces melt off about Tatum um, and everyone will. But I mean, he's the... He's, the star player. So, you know, if you're going to talk about anyone ad nauseum, that's the one to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's been driving me nuts a little bit over the last couple of weeks, especially as he's been struggling to get his shot going in his offense and everything is, you know, I remember early in his career, especially like during his rookie season, he was making his living as a spot up shooter, just like floating and, and relocating and making himself, you know, available 
for some of those kickouts and some of those, you know, those kickouts. I'll just repeat that a bunch of times. But he was just like he was lighting it up with that. Now, I know that, the you know, his game has evolved and his role in the team has has evolved. But it does seem really odd to me that we don't put him in more scenarios to take advantage of his set shooting, which is really lights out. Like, it really seems like not ideal for a guy that's so lethal as a set shooter to not give him a chance to, like, exploit that remarkable skill that he has. Mm-hmm. And instead, like, every three he takes now is off the dribble. I'm really, I'm wondering if, if he might not be able to, to benefit from, from focusing more on that off-ball movement, relocating, and, and getting a couple more catch-and-shoot opportunities than he's been getting. Or at the very least, maybe try to get himself in in situations where he doesn't always have to take that that sidestep for the three because his his feet are are a little are, are a little bit funny when he's taking these shots and he's just not in his normal rhythm with his normal base like that. Yep. It, there's something off with that consistency, and again, I think it's that mental piece where he's kind of like in two different places. And so I just wonder if we if we couldn't if Ime couldn't work out something a couple of plays that we can put out there that just put him in more of that kind of scenario. I feel like that could be advantageous because even right there, like that was catch, turn, shoot, you know, and just put him into that just natural, smooth mechanic of it. And he's, he's lights out and you get him going with that and then you won't be able to shut him off. Yeah. Decisive and instinctual and not overthinking the play and over dribbling the ball and ignoring your teammates and all that stuff. Um, like we said, he's young, he's going to get better, and we can look forward to the luxury of witnessing that in one way or another. So uh, there's another Reddit comment here, again, just more broadly on the team. This is from user K9Mars919. They said, the starting lineup is good, or this starting lineup is good. Dennis as the ball handler is excellent. <laughs> we'll come back to that, Jay. Smart as the two guard is a good fit, allows him to work defense, but not have to run the offense. Time Lord played very well, allows Al to run the offense sets when he needs to. It will be interesting to see how it changes when JB comes back. I love our defense lately. We need to continue to be dogs on defense. It creates a lot of offensive opportunities. Um, My question to you, Jay, based on that is, is Jalen's temporary absence a blessing in disguise in terms of the rest of the team, I guess, coming together to figure things out and they can't rely on his scoring punch particularly early in the game. Is it overall going to be a good thing for the Celtics? No. <laughs> I mean, like, if it, whether whether it's, it's like, ultimately catastrophic to what they inevitably end up doing this season, you know, m- maybe. And, and, yeah, maybe a couple of guys are getting looks that they... But here's the... But really, no one's getting extra looks right now. Like, no one's getting extra minutes. Like, Ime's running a, a short bench. Yeah. I mean, this guy, like... Usually he's running eight. If, it, if if you get more than eight people in a game, it's like maybe one or two minutes for guys like at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like Pritchard today got like one minute, right? Um, yeah. We saw a little stretch for Naismith in the second quarter, which was surprising, but he didn't really do anything. Yeah, and and nothing's really. He's not really getting put in any. Like he's getting put out there, and it's like, hey, if something happens, great. Like if if he happens to just have some like you know special energy happening on this particular evening. We'll take advantage of it, but they're not like running anything for him. They're not like running actions for him. Really? Um, now Romeo seems to be having some stuff run for him and that's good, you know, and, and he seems to have earned his, his spot in the rotation, whether Brown's in there or not. Um, I 
they haven't seen anything from Jason Richardson that would like suggest to me that he should be higher on the depth chart than than Romeo. But that being said, I, I still think that in Ime's you know, depth chart, he probably still has Richardson higher. I know he, he got some buckets today and, and that's great, but I he's he's close second on my people I would like to not have on the Celtics yeah. sooner rather than later. <laughs> Yeah, it's a tough one. I was having this sort of mental... I, I think you may have just called him Jason Richardson, by the way, as well, which I, I wish he was Jason Richardson. Um, right, but I'd be better. I, I was having this sort of internal tug of war, uh, you know, mentally where, yeah, like I said at the top there, like he just immediately sort of either did something bad and then unfucked the situation by doing something good or, or vice versa. And just when you're trying to evaluate a player in terms of the net worth on the team and whether you want to get behind them and support them and maybe like advocate for them not to be traded when they're just sort of seesawing like that. It's so difficult. And, you know, like he, a perfect example is right at the end of the third quarter, uh, he gave up a turnover. It resulted in a transition bucket for the Raptors who had like 26 points off turnovers, the majority of them in transition, which is insane and something that we do need to tidy up. Um, but then he immediately ra- runs the court in like the four seconds remaining after that and makes up for it with that layup to, to close the third quarter. And there were examples of that throughout the game, and I just want to yeah, know. he had another turnover <laughs> where then he, he busted ass back on defense and, and actually forced the turnover to get the ball back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He had a massive block as well, I think, in the, in the first, yep. at least in the first half, maybe the first quarter. But, you know, there's so many examples of times where he just shat the bed and you know gave up points or gave up possessions and like i just i just want to have an opinion and i just can't form it yet he's just so (laughs) you know he's just completely all over the map so uh, i guess we should look forward to more sample size there at least that we can make up our minds on this guy you know what i'll give him credit for though um and what i appreciate is like he he he's coming across to me as one of those guys, and I I, I feel like I, I might relate to this a little bit. Where like he's probably his own worst critic, because like you can see him out there, like he's mad, like and he's not mad at anyone. He's mad at him. He's like he he knows he turned the ball over, which is why he knows that he's got to run faster than any other living like creature in existence to get back yeah. on the other side. Like he's, <laughs> it's like he made up his mind. I just gave up the ball. I'm gonna go get it back now. And like he he's got the the athleticism and like the just the the skill to be able to do that when he's when he's locked in, he just something happened with his shooting where it's just not a viable weapon anymore. Like he had that season in Miami and everyone's kind of routinely hoped that he'll find it again. I don't really love the way the shot looks. It's it's a little bit messy. It's got he's got a kind of weird mechanic to his release. But, I mean, some guys make it work, too. He's a remarkable defender. Uh, his on-ball defense is... I I don't know that there's anyone that I've seen yet this year on our squad that plays better just one-on-one man-up defense. Sure. And he's no slouch with team concept defense, either. I mean, he really is as advertised on that end of the court. Which So then I feel guilty, because I'm like, I should be giving dude benefit of the doubt. Because, mm-hmm. like, the fact that maybe he's not a dynamo on offense, like... All right, but you know, I'm also the guy over here screaming for Marcus Smart to be on the All Star team, <laughs> and like, you know, I can't be playing both sides of that fence. Uh, so, you, know, I do, 
I do appreciate that he seems very self-aware and he, he seems to be holding himself to as high a standard as anyone else is. And um, I dig that. I dig that vibe. And I think that gives him some forgiveness on my end. Um, he's, he still drives me nuts, though, because I just I don't trust any shot that he takes. Um, mm-hmm. He's not a great ball handler. And so when he's handling the ball, um, at least comparatively to other guys that could be handling the ball. And uh, so it's like I feel like there's just tweaks where his role could get maybe better tailored for what he is. Cause he's more like they're different players certainly, but he's more like a PJ Tucker, right? Where like, you don't want to have to depend on him for anything other than just being like a ridiculous defensive role player. Yeah. Just solid. And that's an, anything else you get is gravy and lovely. Like he'll hit, that clutch three, because you never count on him to do it. There's no pressure for him to do it, right? But but then he'll he'll have that moment. But otherwise, it's like he gives the opposing team complete headaches when he's guarding their best players and what have you. I would like to see his role just kind of grow more towards that um, so that a guy like Romeo could grow into a more pronounced role, especially maybe with more of the starters. That's the thing that's working against Josh Richardson and his fans the most is that the the easiest thing to dislike about him is that he's essentially standing in the way of guys like Romeo and Pritchard and Neesmith and these homegrown guys that we want to see more of. But, you know, Ime, you know, it's a it's a win in Ime Doka's column today in the sense that, yeah, he went back to Josh Richardson. He played most of, of Josh Richardson over guys like Romeo and, and certainly Neesmith and, and Lankford and um, Neesmith and Pritchard and it totally paid off for him. And Josh Richardson was hitting these these clutch buckets and these very timely buckets. Like one of the things that I've really liked about the team over the last few games is the resilience and the ability to withstand uh, the inevitable run that a team is going to make, even if you built up a 10, 15, 20 point lead on them. And I don't know if I could say definitively that we would have withstood those punches in this game if it weren't for <laughs> Josh Richardson's shooting, which is something no. I th- never thought I'd be able to say. Um, and yet here he is, but can we rely on that consistently? Probably not. So I do hope that he finds that lane that you, right. that you outlined there for him, where he's more of a defensive juggernaut that we don't necessarily go to because we certainly had to go to him today, unfortunately. Yeah. And which Jalen comes, when Jalen comes back, that's, you know, he's, he's less necessary as an offensive guy, which is good. Um, sure. good for him. I think good for the team. It's just, I'm, you know, on one hand, it's hard to argue with what we see going well right now for the team and, and suggest that Ime doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I think folks that are like overreacting early to the struggles that were happening. I mean, you know, this, this is part of the sort of, na- you know, the brand of being a fan of any team, I suppose. But he clearly does know what he's doing. Like the the defense wouldn't be performing the way that it has over the last couple of weeks unless he may knows what he's doing. You know, like at first this whole switching concept stuff looked like it was going to be a complete mess. And like either we didn't have the right roster to make it work or trying to fit a, 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 you know, square peg in a round hole or whatever. But He's either tweaked or made adjustments, you know, like I, I don't have as much of the analytical mind as, as some others do to really like pick apart exactly what changed or hasn't changed. But he's cl- clearly figured out how to get these guys 
working in this defensive system in an effective way that is just like causing havoc for other teams. Yeah. Um, and they're taking pride in it. Like we're getting, I'm, I'm getting flashback vibes from, from like that last season that we had with, with Isaiah or, or even the, the um, conference finals game that we had uh, just with the young guys where like those teams were kind of similar in, in that like they were just resilient. They wouldn't give up. They didn't care how many points they were down. Um, now what they struggled with though, both of those teams, um, the IT one and, and the, the young, the young guys, they struggled to hold the leads though. And, and that's like, we haven't seen a team that holds a lead very well really since like 2008, 2010, right? When, when the big three uh, were doing their thing and, and having championship runs, mm-hmm. um, this, these, these last handful of games, I mean, we came back against Dallas and I thought, even though we didn't pull that one out, I thought that was still a good comeback because it was a comeback and we didn't let up. It still came down to that final possession. It's not like we came back and then like ran out of gas and it was too little too late. Like we took that thing right up to the line. And then all the wins that we've had now, like we get these leads, the other team starts chipping away and we're like having panic mode. Like it's going to be that Chicago game all over again, but they've clearly found a certain resolve where it's like, no, 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 no. We've got to keep this thing at a certain, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be in a whole lot of trouble. Like every time this thing got down to ten, eight, uh, the Celtics made whatever adjustment they needed to make, and they they went on a little mini run themselves. You know, they never blew the lead up, yeah, um, but they never totally let it get away either. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever feel at ease when it gets down to that sort of you know high single digit deficit once we've been up by sort of 15 or 20 or so i don't know i i, I completely agree with what you're saying with with what you're saying and they do have some resolve and this resiliency that i that i mentioned but i don't know if i'll ever feel at peace with that when i'm watching the game and i'm shitting myself because i'm afraid that we're going to lose again um but yeah the, this one, one we've been trained to know though you know like this, <laughs> this team is this team is like uh uh what is it, it uh like conditioned us to 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 expect the the downfall, no matter you know exactly. how big the lead is, yeah, yeah and we, it's going to take a lot to uncondition that. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. So we've won three of the last four off the back of our defense, and this Bucks Banner game, eighteen coming. Yeah, please. This Bucks game couldn't come at a better time in the sense that, like, what learnings can they take from the Mavs game? Where if you think about like the the design of the defense defending the entire team, but focusing on Doncic and sort of the 1A, or if you want to call him that, of Porzingis, and applying that approach to Giannis and Drew Holiday. Um, and they've obviously got a lot of other talented players on the team as well. I believe Middleton will be out. Can we not go down 17 at halftime, apply a similar strategy, and come away with a win? Uh, I, I really hope they can. Um, but, you know, it's a really good test at a really good time for our defense and that you know we're actually going to come up against a really solid opponent and kind of a generational player in uh in Giannis there we are running long here Jay before we move on any sort of misc standout points from from this game from your point of view um I don't we haven't really had a chance to to kind of unpack it or or talk too much about it but I really think we need to get Schroeder off this team (laughs) yeah we haven't talked about that at all so uh, <laughs> it's interesting though because my my next question for you I wrote before we had 
uh, unpacked any of the feelings, if you want to call them that, uh, about <laughs> Schroeder. Uh, my question was going to be, it's folly to ask now, but I'll ask it anyway. In your ideal world, Jay, when, when Jalen comes back, who is the starting point guard? Is it Smart or Schroeder? Because certainly there are people out there who feel it should be Schroeder with Smart potentially back in that six-man capacity. Yeah, and you know, I, I, try, I try to understand as best as I can what it is that people are seeing or reacting to that they're liking from Schroeder. I, again, the, what he's good at, he is very good at. Like he's he is good at driving to the basket, and I I do like some of his like kind of you know wind up and and whipping passes here and there. But you know he's not he's not a facilitator. He's not he's he's not really a point guard any more than Marcus Smart is. You know, in fact, I I think Marcus Smart has demonstrated both in his career and even already this season that he's a better point guard. Than Dennis Schroeder. Um, I, one of the things I think I loved, my favorite moment of this game was actually a play with Marcus Smart and, and Rob Williams. It was that alley-oop that was like almost like midway between the three-point line and the halfway, uh, the, the uh, mid-court. And Marcus did that, like, at this point, it's, it's like vintage Marcus, long-distance alley-oop and, and Robert Williams jumped right up there, all all time lorded out, and just put that thing right down. And it was like, oh, <laughs> there it is. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen Marcus get back to to that kind of creating again, or or that kind of like noticing those opportunities and and fully taking advantage of them. Uh, again, maybe like he's been trying to work out stuff too, and like everyone's just kind of like out of their natural element. But this game looked like a couple of guys, especially and Marcus being one of them, settling down getting back into playing their game. And that was that was natural Marcus Smart doing Marcus Smart things. And it wasn't the only the only play like that that he had during the day. Um I think what we're more likely gonna end up seeing over over the next several weeks, or at least I'm hoping for, right? My, I'm biasly hoping for, is Marcus maybe not satisfying my my desperate desire for him to have an all-star season. But at the very least, I think really locking into that starting uh, guard role and hopefully locking Schroeder on the bench. Because I, regardless of how I feel about Schroeder as an individual player on the team, he definitely, I do, I, like the the meshing of him and Marcus Smart on the court together is a disaster. Yeah, so I, I don't, interesting. I, I don't know the answer as to who should be the starting point guard. I definitely agree that both of them on the court at the same time is not great, uh, particularly for spacing. And I feel like that's something that we've brought up several times throughout the short season so far. But I, I do think throughout that short season, I've had moments where I've been sure that Schroeder is the ideal point guard. And then the moments like today and very recent games where I'm sure that Marcus Smart is the ideal point guard. So similar to the Josh Richardson situation, it's difficult to make and uh, you know, an evaluation when there's such high variance in the information that we're that we're receiving here. So, you know, if I had to choose gun to my head, I'm I'm probably going with with Marcus Smart just because of the tenure with the team. We talked about his ability to deal with the on ball pressure that the Raptors were applying today compared to Schroeder, who shot the bed at every opportunity. I think it's definitely one thing that we can look forward to at least is that when we've got a healthy squad. One of those guys are coming off the bench, and that's a good thing. Like, say what you will about them in a starting capacity, 
those are high quality bench players, Smart or or yep. Schroeder. And one of them is very likely going to end up being a full time six man, and that's a good thing. So that's my optimistic yeah. takeaway. As far as staying with takeaways and and wrapping up this uh this high quality analysis of the game. Uh, Grant Williams deserves a shout out because I don't know if he scored tonight and he certainly missed quite a few open threes. I'd love to see what Tatum's potential assists were from this game. He, he really did a uh, quite a, a bit of a shammy Ojolet there and missing a lot of open looks that Tatum gifted to him. But I thought Grant Williams was really solid all round. I almost couldn't tell you why. You know what I mean? Like he just, he was just in the right place at the right time all the time. And, you know, if you look at his box score, it's nothing. If you were trying to evaluate this game after the fact, you, you couldn't from a Grant Williams perspective, but he just, tonight was exactly what he needs to be, which is just contributing to winning, really, and not standing out at all, not ever being in the spotlight. Yeah, he seems to be benefiting a great deal from whatever his his fitness and, and diet regimen was over the offseason. Like he, he, he articulated as much that he went into the offseason focusing on on getting his weight down a little bit just so that he felt more dynamic out on the court. And I think we've seen that he's got, you know, we've talked at great length about what he understands about the game and and knowing where to be and when to be, but his, he hasn't always been able to get there, right? Like the foot speed hasn't always been there. The lateral quickness hasn't always been there. I think what we're seeing is even when that shot isn't falling right now, he's not getting beat. Right. And he he is getting to the spots. He is relocating and and filling space where there's an opportunity to score. And, you know, the shot hasn't fallen the last couple of games, but we've also seen that that's a shot he can hit. And so that if he knows to get there and he can get there, you know, I like him taking that shot over several other guys, whether, you know, he's he's hit or missed three in a row. Um, I'd rather him take it than than Schroeder or, or Josh Richardson. Um, I think, yeah, ultimately, it's the way he's moving out on the court. It's that he's never looking winded. He's always looking locked in. He's communicating with the other guys. Like, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're spot on. He's committed to being a part of that winning process. Um, and he's doing it in in every way that he tangibly can, regardless of whether his shot's going in. And, and that's good stuff. That's what you want from, from a, a winning team's role players. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff indeed. Now, we're going to wrap up here with the play of the game. Uh, I'll give you a hint, Jay. It does involve a Celtic guard. That's as deep as I'm going to go. Can you guess what the play of the game (laughs) is from this one? Oh, man. All right. So, if if it's from a guard, I mean... If it were me picking, it would probably be that alley-oop because that, that was just like, that was my favorite moment of the game. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I don't know. Is it one of those, those mid-range shots from, from Josh Richardson that was like kind of butter? No, no, that, that was close to making my underrated make play a of the game. Highlight? I'm going to run it for you now. I think you're going to be very satisfied. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> Here we see the Raptors coming up the floor in transition. And who's there to get the interception? It's one Marcus Smart. And on one That's foot right. throws a full-length oh. pass all the way to Dennis Schroeder for the easy bucket. And just the degree of difficulty on that pass, the presence of mind, it's so very, very Marcus Smart to, uh, to make that play. And early in the season, I think it was against the Knicks in game one, we saw him throw just a terrible, um, very mismanaged full-court pass to, to Jason Tatum that went way over his head. 
who's a much taller target, still went way over his head and immediately had a bound. So to then make this interception, this catch, and then the one-footed full-length pass to a much tinier Dennis Schroeder, who, you know, by all accounts, Jay, is, is terrible at basketball, setting him up to finish the layup, <laughs> that's the play of the game. Chosen by me. There you Listen, go. that's the one shot that Schroeder's really good at, though. Um, that's that's, Wide that's open the layups. shot he can hit. <laughs> um, well, and even contested ones. Like, again, he, he can go to the basket. Um, it's... It, that's a that's a great play, um, it, and it's a great play to highlight, especially because of the way that I've kind of been shitting a little bit on Schroeder, um, and it's not it's not entirely deserved. Like I understand, I'm a little bit irrational with the way that I'm I'm dissing on Schroeder, um, but it does show again, I think, some evidence that Marcus Smart is rounding into into his more normal form here, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of stuff that we we expect to see from Marcus, and it's yep. the kind of stuff that you just aren't going to see from any of the other options, Schroeder included. Like, Schroeder can do some stuff on defense, but not that kind of stuff. He does, he can't do that stuff. I need to acknowledge the fact that we called out that Smart and Schroeder can't coexist together on the court, and of course they both and featured then heavily that's the play together. Of the game. It was the play of the game. So, to say that, this that didn't go the, unnoticed. <laughs> now, wrapping meta, up here. Yo, that, we're, we're meta. This is the meta podcast. That's right. Owned by Mark Zuckerberg. Wrapping up here, there's a, a post-game <laughs> comment. This is tweeted out by Jay King, and it's a, it's a quote from Robert Williams, who said in the post-game interview, I feel like we're coming together off the court more, said the Celtics have uh, had more team dinners and more veterans reaching out to set up gatherings, something I'd love to be a fly on the wall for. Um, but that's good to see. There's an off-court cohesion. It's resulting in the on-court cohesion. It's simple, it's effective, and it's clearly working. And the Celtics are fun again. Jay... That's going to do it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. The Celtics have a back-to-back coming up this weekend, starting with the Bucks, like we discussed, and then the Cavs the following day. Jay, any predictions for these two games? Are we going back-to-back dubs, or what do you think is going to happen? Oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely getting back-to-back. Well, the <laughs> one thing we got to be really careful and, and worried about here is the, the Ojale revenge game. Oh, yeah, um, good call-out. Yeah, good. Some good quotes recently came out um, on on Giannis's reaction when they signed Oshale. They're like, "Wait, you guys just brought on the the Giannis stopper? Like, what? What? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Sammy. He seems like one of the nicest human beings on the planet, man. Like, I, I I hope he doesn't just like wash out of the NBA. I I hope he does kind of like find almost like that Jay Crowder niche that I think we were always kind of looking for him to have here, but it just never really panned out. Um. But no, I I want to see, a, like you said, I think that Milwaukee game is going to be a good barometer of where we're at right now. That's going to be a good temp check. Um, we did great on our last back-to-back. I'd like to see us show that that's going to be a hallmark of this team, that, that back-to-backs are just circumstances and that's it. It's it's not definitive or, or a deciding factor on how we're going to play or whether or not we can win. Absolutely. Well, can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will be back shortly after those two games. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.